0: Guys, welcome to Relatable. I hope everyone had a great weekend. Happy Monday. So, today we are going to talk about a most misused that you guys have seen floating around on the internet in relation to everything that's going on right now, and that is Luke 15 3 through 7. We're actually just going to talk about that for part of the podcast, and then we're going to talk about a few other things. We're going to talk about some biblical comparisons that have been uh, that have been Uh, made uh, about Jesus in relation to the riots, in relation to Black Lives Matter. And we will try to take a biblical look at whether or not these comparisons are correct. And then if we have time, we'll also talk about just some things that have been going on in the news that you guys have asked me about. For those of you who listened to last Wednesday's episode, that was a whole lot of you. It seems like there was just a demand for a different perspective about everything. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you to the vast majority of you who sent me uh, some kind of encouragement. That means a lot to me, but also it also means a lot to me. Those of you, you might not be listening to the show anymore, but those of you who listened and you disagreed respectfully. Now, unfortunately, the respectfully part does not characterize a lot of people who disagreed with me. There are just, uh, there's a lot of anger out there, which is fine. Like I'm fine with anger as well. But for those of you who did email me, who suggested additional resources who gave me a different perspective, especially from a, a Christian point of view, I just want you to know I not only respect that, but I appreciate that. I am going to check out the resources that people on the opposing side of the issue of uh, police brutality uh, that they suggested. And I hope that you would also, if you are someone who disagrees with me, that you will look into the resources that I suggested as well. There's a lot of people who have said, we need to elevate Black voices. We need to listen to Black people about systemic racism and things like that. And I am more than happy to do that. The problem is the the Black voices that I elevate and that I uh, suggest, a lot of people on the other side are just unwilling to listen to. And in fact, they pretend like they don't exist. I don't see how that is... Uh, Any less bigotry than someone on my side of the issue refusing to look at opposing resources. However, I do want to look at opposing resources. I have, uh, I desire to have an allegiance to truth. I don't want to simply be partisan in my concerns. I want to have my assumptions challenged. And that's something that I've prayed about a lot in the past week or so is that I, I just pray that my desire to be right would be subject to my desire. To honor Christ, and I think honoring Christ is being as truthful as possible. Now, unfortunately, there's a lot of people who think that uh, compassion should be without truth; that we shouldn't be talking about facts, that we shouldn't be talking about statistics at all, that we shouldn't be talking about a counter narrative, that we shouldn't be pushing back against the idea or the mainstream narrative of social justice. And so they assume that someone like me, who has spent so much time talking about George Floyd being made in the image of God, the importance of Treating all people equally as image bearers of God. Someone who has uh, tried to, by the grace of God, raise money for the people who are suffering in Minneapolis, people who are suffering in big cities. It doesn't matter, I've realized, um, to some people, what you do, what you say, how biblical it is, how much you share the gospel, how much you talk about people being made in the image of God, how many times you offer solutions, if it does not fit the exact leftist social justice narrative and the progressive definition of racial reconciliation, if the prescriptions that you offer, the solutions that you offer, the talking points that you give, the statistics that you give— if doesn't fit into the leftist narrative of social justice, you are still going to get people who say that you're not a Christian, that you're not compassionate, that you're just hateful, that you're just a racist, as as if uh, in order to reach this standard of compassion that I'm I'm not sure who made up, you have to agree with only one side. I, I just don't understand how offering solutions and pointing to real problems that are disproportionately affecting a minority communities lacks compassion simply because it's not the same they're not the same problems and the same solutions that people on the left point out. That just doesn't that doesn't make any sense. You can accuse me of being wrong. You can't accuse me of not caring. Can't accuse me of not caring. And if your narrow definition of caring is uh, simply repeating the white privilege talking points, is simply um, having these kind of conversations about a very nebulous idea of systemic racism and not getting to the nitty gritty and not talking about the truth and not talking about the real problems, some of the real problems of many that are facing minority communities, then you you don't really want to solve things either. Like you're not really interested in solutions. It's interesting, the, the standard uh, of the woke, that it is more compassionate apparently to post a black box on your Instagram and then never do anything ever again never do anything ever again, than it is to actually talk about the things that are going on, to actually talk about statistics, actually talk about what the Bible says about justice, actually talk about the problems that are facing minority and poor communities, and actually talk about suggested solutions. Again, you can disagree with me on all of that, but you cannot accuse me of not caring. You can't accuse me of caring less than the person who just repeats the things that they it, that they hear uh, woke activists say it doesn't it doesn't make any sense. But unfortunately, even the church has such a narrow definition of compassion that they completely exclude anyone with a differing perspective, including black people with a differing perspective. And again, I don't know how that is any less bigotry than anything that you are conf- uh, that you are uh, accusing conservatives of. Okay, I know that's not what we're talking about today, but I kind of just got on a rant. Uh, now, before we get into the most misused, I do want to tell you guys about our sponsor today and that is Gabby Insurance and they are awesome. So everyone right now is looking for a way to save money. When is the last time you looked at how much you are spending every month on car insurance or homeowner's insurance? Now is the time to check out Gabby and see about getting a lower rate for the exact same coverage that you already have. Gabby takes the pain out of shopping for insurance by giving you an apples to apples comparison of your current coverage with 40 of the top insurance providers like Progressive or Nationwide and Travelers. So all you have to do is you go to their website, you link your current insurance account, and in about two minutes or less, you are able to see quotes for the exact same coverage that you currently have. Uh, Gabby customers save $825 per year on average. If they can't find you savings like they did for me, uh, they will let you know. So you can relax knowing that you have the best rate out there, and they will never sell your info, so you don't have to worry about spam, you don't have to worry about robocalls or anything like that, like you have to with other services that you use. It is completely free to check your rate, and there's no obligation, which means there's really nothing to lose, so take two minutes right now to see how much you can save on your car and homeowner's insurance. Go to Gabby.com relatable, that is G-A-B-I.com/relatable. G-A-B-I.com slash relatable, Gabby.com. Slash Relatable. Okay, so let's get into this meme that's going around. And if you're watching on YouTube, by the way, if you don't subscribe to YouTube, uh, please do so. The episode comes out at 2 p.m. Obviously, the the listening part of the episode, the the kind that's on you know audio podcast, so Apple Podcasts, Spotify comes out at 6 a.m. YouTube comes out at 2 p.m. A really great way to share the podcast for people who don't have a, a podcast app or don't listen to podcasts and like to watch it. But we'll put this meme that I've seen going around up on the screen if you're watching on YouTube. And, or it's it's really, I've seen it in a lot of different forms. So I've seen it in meme form and I've also seen it in, Uh, like a cartoon form. And I'll just describe it for those of you who are listening. So it is the parable in Luke 12, when Jesus talks about the 99 sheep, he leaves the 99 to go pursue uh, the one lost sheep. And in in the cartoon or in the meme, all of the 99 sheep are over there holding up little signs saying, but all lives matter. And the point of it is that, okay, Yes, sure, all lives matter, but Jesus goes and pursues the one life that is stricken by oppression, which in this case, according to this meme, is black people. And so that is what the point of the meme is. That's what the point of the cartoon is, is that even Jesus... Sometimes uh, he he focuses more attention on those that uh, are oppressed, and he has to leave the 99 in order to tend to or find the person who is oppressed. If that's confusing to you, that's because if you apply any kind of biblical thinking or critical thinking to this, um, it immediately falls apart. So let me just read you uh, Luke 15. Did I say Luke 12 earlier? I meant to say Luke 15. Let me pull that up. So he's talking to, it says, Luke 15, 1. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, the man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. So people are taking this passage and saying, Well, this applies to Black Lives Matter and all lives matter. And the problem is, is is that we don't have to guess what this passage means. We don't get to apply this passage to current social issues. We don't get to apply a new meaning to this passage that isn't meant to be there. And I've heard people say, well, parables don't just mean one thing. They They can mean many things. I've heard a lot of people say that as if that's like a a talking point that has been uh, distributed out to people and people are just regurgitating. The problem with that idea, one, is that it's, it's not true. So when we approach the Bible, we don't ask, what does this mean to me? Or what do I want this to mean? But what does this mean? Period. We've talked about this. If you want more information on that, you can read or you can listen to my episode called Reading the Bible from several months ago. And we talk about the importance of approaching scripture with with the, with the thought of, okay, what does this mean? Not what does this mean to me, but what does this actually mean? To do that, you read the passage, you take the context, you can even look at the original Greek and Hebrew, but you try to get to the actual meaning of the text. And here, We don't have to do a whole lot of work. We don't have to do a whole lot of work to know exactly what Jesus means by this, that he's not applying it to a social issue, that it doesn't mean anything cryptic or mystic or anything like that. Jesus actually tells us exactly. He's so gracious. He is so gracious and patient that he actually tells us exactly what he means by this parable. So verse seven says, just so I tell you. So after he tells this parable, verse seven says, just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents." than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. So he's talking about repentance. The lost sheep is the sinner. Who repented? Who Jesus saved? That is the point of this passage. And here's uh, here's a huge problem. Besides just the th- the theological malfeasance here and the interpretive interpretive malfeasance when it comes to uh, reading this passage to mean that it is applying to some social issue. Here's here's the real problem: is that this is much better news. The real meaning of this passage is, is much better news than the sheep representing a member of the black community or a member of any kind of race or any kind of um, a, a oppressed group or marginalized group. That only gets you so far. But this is about the gospel. This is about the gospel. This is much better news. And it's this news that offers the reconciliation and the peace and the unity that all of the people misusing this passage say that they want. I just am so confused why so many people believe that the gospel is not only insufficient, but is inappropriate. Like people don't believe, and I've said this. I said this last Wednesday. so many Christians are talking about white privilege and talking about all the problems that we have, which I'm fine with. again, I might not disagree with all of your um, with with all of your prescriptions and all of your perspectives on that, and that's fine. You can talk about political issues. I obviously talk about political issues, but for the Christian to only talk about those things and to not talk about the gospel and to not point to the gospel as the solution is really troubling. Again, it's almost as if they not only think the gospel is insufficient, but they also think that it's inappropriate. And I also said last Wednesday something that I'll say again. So you believe the gospel is appropriate for some people, like white pastors talking to their mostly white congregants uh, about the gospel. But when they turn to the black community, they only offer pity. They don't offer the gospel. They don't tell them, hey, your biggest problem ultimately is my biggest problem, that one day we are going to stand before a holy God, Jesus Christ, who is going to judge the living and the dead. And our only justification is not our political stances, not our good works, but Jesus Christ himself. If you are not telling people of all races that, including the marginalized, including the black community, then I have to really ask if you care about black lives. Again, again, we can talk about, we. Can, you can be a total social justice advocate and completely disagree with me on the social issues as a Christian and what the problems are and what the solutions are. But one thing we've got to agree on, one thing we've got to agree on as Christians, one thing that you and I have to be able to come together on at the end of the day, Is that the ultimate, the transcendent, um, really the only, the core solution to all of this is Jesus Christ. The only one who softens hearts, the only one who accomplishes the most important reconciliation, which is uh, sinners, enemies of God to God himself, a wrathful, holy, merciful, gracious God. Uh, that is our greatest solution. That is our our biggest problem. Our biggest problem is that we have souls that will live forever and will end up in one of two places. So for Christians to uh, to only preach, to only look at this passage as saying, well, this has something to do with the social issue that I'm talking about right now and not point to what Jesus himself says it means, that it's about sinners repenting and about how he saves sinners, he pursues sinners not uh, not a certain type of person in a social class, not a, a certain type of person with a race, but sinners in need of repentance, in need of salvation. If that's not what you're preaching, uh, I, I'm just, conf- I, I'm confused. I, I guess I'm just confused of how much you actually care about the souls that you claim to care about and how much you actually, what you actually believe about the gospel what, what purpose you think that Jesus serves? I mean, this is, you do not have to have very much biblical knowledge to know what this passage means. And I'm very troubled. I'm very troubled by the Christians that I hear saying, well, parables don't just mean one thing. Passages don't just mean one thing. Sure, there is going to be disagreement on interpretations between in good faith Christians, or like we're disagreeing in good faith. And that is absolutely, that's absolutely true. Of course, there are so many people that I learn from that I have theological differences with who are very strong believers and who have had an incredible impact on my faith. And so I'm not saying there can't be any disagreement. I'm certainly not saying that my interpretation is the end all be all, but our desire should not be to extract meaning from a text that doesn't exist. Our desire is always to say, God, give me wisdom, help me study this, uh, with the mental facu- faculties that you have given me, help me look at the context. Help me look at the meaning. How can I see God most be glorified in this text rather than applying it uh, to something that it is not supposed to be applied to? That's not glorifying to God, no matter what passage that we use. No matter what passage that we use, whether you are on the right, there are people on the right that do this a lot, and there are people on the left that do this a lot. And it's not glorifying to God. Something that I'm doing this summer. Rachel Jankovic. A lot of you guys know her. I really love her, and she has had a really big impact on me, just the wisdom that she gives, especially about, um, especially about being a mom and being uh, a godly woman. She is a part of something called Same Page Summer. It's really a Bible reading plan for women with her church up in Idaho, and there are thousands of women a part of the Facebook group, and there's also a men's version too, and my husband is doing that. And so I really recommend that you do this with us, that you get into the word, that you read the Bible, that you go into the Bible every day and saying, okay, what does this mean? What does God want want to teach his people through this? What is he saying about himself? What is the true context of this? What is the true meaning of this passage? So you can join that group on Facebook. I'll probably share about it on Instagram. I'm doing it. So we will be on the same page reading the Bible together all summer. That is my desire for everyone, whether we land in the same places, uh, politically, my desire is that people read their Bibles, people read their Bibles. Sometimes I wonder like this caricature that people create of Jesus, uh, especially it seems like is actually, it happens a lot on the right. They're just two different, um, fictional characters. So there are people on the right who uh, think of Jesus in a way that he is not as basically like, I don't know, like the, an American patriot or something like that. And then there are a lot of people on the left, and this is probably the more popular view and the more pervasive view, especially among young people, is that Jesus is just this hippie. He doesn't care about anything. He doesn't care about sin. He doesn't care about salvation, all that stuff that he says about sin and repentance. No, he just cares about social justice. He just cares about a social gospel. He just wants you to do you. He wants you to be happy. He wants you to love yourself. And he is just here to show you how to be a good social justice advocate. That's it. I sometimes wonder every time I read the Gospels, I look at Jesus and I'm like, how did people get this idea? The people who have this idea of Jesus as someone who doesn't care about the definition of marriage, who doesn't care about gender, who doesn't care about sin, who doesn't care about repentance or holiness or salvation or obedience, where the heck are you getting that idea? It's not from Jesus Christ himself. It might be from liberation theology, which is false theology, by the way. So many of you out there are repeating liberation theology in a social gospel, uh, about um, the idea that the responsibility that Christians have is to create this kind of socialist utopia rather than advance the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it is a It's a false theology. It's a false gospel. Let me just tell you for a second about James Cone, who is really the grandfather of black liberation theology, which is underneath so much of the false theology today. Uh, He himself was not a believer. He said that he doesn't believe that Jesus is the only way, the only truth, the only life, and that no one comes to the Father except through him, which is what Jesus himself said. But he said that he is okay with any religion. He can get on board with any religion that fights for the liberation, the so-called liberation uh, that he fought for. And unfortunately, that kind of false theology, I encourage you to look into it yourself, is infecting and is pervading uh, churches and theology today. And it's affecting how people read the Bible so that they read a passage like the one in Luke 15, and they draw a meaning from it that just isn't there, that Jesus himself says isn't there because he says exactly what he means by that. And I think if anything, we should be able to take Jesus by his word. Um, Okay, there is this other meme that I saw going around, and um, it's about Jesus and all lives matter. So it goes through a list of, and we'll put this up on the screen again, it goes through a list of Jesus not saying all lives matter. So it says, Jesus didn't say all lives matter. He said Samaritan lives matter. Jesus didn't say that um, all lives matter. He said Jewish lives matter. Jesus didn't say that all lives matter. He said Gentile lives matter, women's life matters. And so it goes through all of these things that Jesus didn't say that all lives matter, but he said that XYZ lives matter. Okay, I'm going to need us to just, I'm just going to need us to look at something super obvious, so, you are essentially saying that Jesus did say that all lives matter because you just listed every single category of life that Jesus says matter. He said that all of those lives matter. So, because he didn't use, well, first of all, he didn't actually say any of those things. It, like this meme quotes Jesus saying, Samaritan lives matter, women's lives matter, blah, blah, blah. Well, Jesus didn't actually say those things, so those aren't quotations, but I understand the principle of what they're trying to do, and it lists all of the different lives that Jesus says matter. Okay, well, that is all lives. Like, you've just listed all of the lives that Jesus says matter, and that is all of the lives. So I'm, I'm a little bit confused by the point of that. Basically, you're saying that Jesus said that all lives matter, but we sh- still shouldn't say that all lives matter. Again, meme theology, bad theology. Um, Okay, there's another thing that I saw, something going around that Chance the Rapper shared, and that was Jesus was lynched. And it went through the comparisons between Jesus and the atrocities that the Black people in the United States um, have unfortunately and tragically endured throughout American history of lynchings, of suffering, of injustice, Now, here's the problem. Again, it's the same kind of principle as we talked about in uh, Luke 15. The problem with that is that you are actually minimizing what Jesus did on the cross. I actually, I have no problem with connecting Jesus' suffering to are suffering, I have no problem with that because the Bible says that he is a high priest that sympathizes with our weaknesses. He did become flesh, and so he has been weary, he has been tired, he has been flogged, he has been persecuted, he has been treated unjustly, he has been betrayed, so so many of the things that we go through on earth, Jesus himself experienced, like what a gracious gift of God that he did not have to give us, but for us to use terminology that the Bible doesn't use to describe Jesus's death in order to make it synonymous with what has happened, um, with what has happened here on earth to any group of people that have received some kind of injustice is actually to minimize what Jesus did. Uh, Jesus, his death on the cross uh, was again, reconciliation of an unholy people with a holy God paying for our sins and uh, sacrificing himself on behalf of the debt that we owed. It is the grace of God. So it is much, it's much bigger It's much bigger than so many of these social gospel memes and posts are trying to make it. And that's a huge problem. With trying to um, with trying to say or trying to claim that Jesus's life, that Jesus's character, that Jesus's death and resurrection is the exact same as something that is going on today, and that a certain group of people have an even better or bigger connection to Jesus because of the things that they have experienced. And no doubt that suffering brings us closer to Christ, and it actually is an imitation of Christ when we suffer for His sake. Absolutely, but we really have to be careful with not just making comparisons, but basically saying what happened to Jesus and what happened to people here on earth is exactly synonymous. It means the same thing. It accomplished the same thing. It demonstrates the same thing because that's not true of, of any group who has, who has unfortunately and tragically um, suffered through injustice. It's just not because Jesus's death actually accomplished something. It accomplished something great. It accomplished something eternal. It accomplished it accomplished something beyond our comprehension. And again, in these kinds of posts, we don't we don't see any telling of the gospel. Like we don't see any sharing of the gospel in the post that said Jesus was lynched. We didn't then say, "Well, this is what Jesus's death accomplished. Here is what his crucifixion accomplished. Here is what happened when he died and rose from the dead. This is what it means" for for you, sinner, it was strictly a physical comparison that can only give you uh, that can only get you so far. Uh, that can't affect your soul. That can't change your heart. Again, it's this idea that the gospel of Jesus Christ is not only insufficient but inappropriate, and it's a shame to see Christians act that way. Um, okay. A couple other things I want to talk about. There's a lot of things I want to talk about, actually. So I'm going to show you a, a little video since we're talking about just the kind of manipulation and warped reaction that some, certainly not all, and I'm not saying even all of the people on the other side of this issue than I am, but um, some Christians, the warped reaction that they are having to all of this, I just want to show you, show you this video. <laughs> God. We're not shaming anybody, God. We're just humbling ourselves before you. Yes, Lord. You brought the thunder and rain today, God. Because Satan takes the elder today. Father, in Jesus' name, you get the victory. Father, we ask for forgiveness from our black brothers and sisters for years and years of racism, of systematic racism. So, as you saw, those are a bunch of white people kneeling hands in the air, and they are basically, it looks like a worship service. And this has happened all across the country. There was actually a woman, an individual who was filmed. This video has gone viral where she, uh, uh, a man approached her and said, hey, you know, I'm a part of Black Lives Matter. And I was told to tell you to get down on your knees and apologize for your white privilege. And she did it. Guys, this is, Idol worship, like this, is not humility. This is not godly. This is not graciousness. This is not reconciliation. This is not something that Christians, that Christians, need to be a part of. Um, I've heard a, a lot of people say in this that uh, we define justice, the oppressed define justice, and everyone else just kind of has to go along with what they say justice is. Well, no. For the Christian, that's not true. We align ourselves with with God's justice. And look, if you are a white supremacist, and you are a racist, and you have done something to someone because of the color of their skin, or you have hated someone in your heart because of the color of your skin, uh, that is obviously a sin, and you need to ask for forgiveness and and make it right. You need to reconcile with that person, and you need to ask God to search your heart and to help you uh, not have those feelings of hate anymore. The Bible says we can't cannot love God and hate our brother. So of course it's a sin. And if that is a sin that you have committed, if you have sinned against someone in that way, then I agree you should go before them. You should be contrite. You should show humility. You should say you're sorry and ask for forgiveness and try to make it right. If you have not done that, if you have not done that, then you don't have a responsibility or the ability, by the way, according to the Bible, to ask forgiveness on behalf of people with your same skin color. Like, you're, you're not able to do that. God gives you no authority to do that. He doesn't give you the obligation to do that. You are not able to ask forgiveness for a sin that you have not committed. You're just not. Now, you can empathize or you can try to sympathize with someone's pain, and you can listen to them, and you can talk to them, and you can say, I'm so sorry that that happened to you. But unless this is a sin that you are actually a part of, which God knows your heart, uh, then you— should not be obligated to and you are not obligated to biblically apologize for that or pay back for that or to ask forgiveness for that. You literally cannot. You cannot seek forgiveness on behalf of people just because they have the same melanin count as you. You just can't. It's not biblically or logically possible. So this is a lot of false humility. This is the hope of a lot of people that they will be marked safe from the chaos, that they will be seen as true allies. But as we saw last week with the black squares thing that happened on Instagram, Allyship is problematic in and of itself, even to black activists. So, people put black squares on Instagram, a lot of people hashtag Black Lives Matter. And then there were black activists who came out and said, Hang on just a second, we didn't ask you to do this. This was actually something that was supposed to start in the music industry unfair treatment against black people in the music industry. That is what it started as. As so many movements do, it was hijacked. I was hijacked specifically by white people, probably specifically by white liberals saying that we are going to be muted and listening and we're posting all of these black squares. But then there were black activists who said, we didn't ask you for that. We don't want you to do that. We would rather you speak up. We would rather you give information. And again, I'm not on the same Necessarily the same side of the issue as those people, but I understand their concern. Like it it doesn't feel good and it's not right when people hijack your movement in order to feel like they are a part of something that maybe they're not really a part of. Um, And so I, I just want people to realize, especially Christians. One, that that is not a form of activism, that that is not a form of righteousness, that that is not a form of actually helping. Now, there's nothing wrong with talking about things on social media, and I don't think it's necessarily a sin to post a black square, but you have to ask yourself, is what I'm doing rooted in truth, and is it helpful? Is it actually helpful? And if that's certainly all you do, which might not be true for most Christians, if that's all you're going to do, then... I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not sure that that is uh, the righteous choice to make. And just remember, like, you'll never be woke enough, Christian. You will never be woke enough. You will never be far left enough. You will never be social justice enough. Like, you will never say the right things. You will never do enough. It will never be enough. It will never be enough. Even if you are prostrate on your your face, begging for forgiveness for all of the people that have ever been racist in the history of the world. It will never be enough. You could give all of your money. You could give all of your time. You could give all of your resources. You could give all of your Instagram posts and it will never be enough because the standards of the world are ever changing. They're ever changing. They are conditional and they're not rooted in the truth of God. What does the Lord require of you to love the Lord, your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Go out there and serve the people in these communities. Go clean up your neighborhood. Go donate time and money to the people who have lost their businesses. People of all races, of all socioeconomic classes who have lost their businesses, lost their jobs, lost their livelihoods, lost their public transportation, uh, lost their ability to grocery shop at an affordable grocery store go help those people if you're so if you're so concerned which we should be concerned about those people who are affected by the way you can do what i did you can research into police brutality you can research into racialized violence and you can propose solutions for the minority communities and the poor communities like i did last week and again i understand that most people don't think that those are solutions but unless you've got something better i'm telling you that a black box isn't going to do it nebulous conversations that never solve any problems whatsoever never talk about any specific solutions whatsoever, that's not going to do it. You might not like my approach. You might not like what I have to say, but I tried my best to offer tangible solutions that could actually happen, could actually be accomplished, and could actually make some sort of difference for these minority and poor communities. Don't buy into the virtue traps that say, uh, unless you repeat these social justice talking points, you don't really care. That's not what God tells you to do. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Find ways to tangibly do that to tangibly love your neighbor, to take up your cross and to follow God. Uh, Share the gospel with the uh, lady at the checkout counter. Ask if you can pray for her. Um, Talk to strangers in a way that's kind. Ask them if they go to church. Invite them to church with you. I know this stuff is uncomfortable, but I can tell you from my experience, once you do it, once you get the uncomfortable words out there of, hey, is there anything that I can pray for for you to your waitress or to the lady at the checkout line or whatever. It's uncomfortable. They're uncomfortable, but you do it and they appreciate it. Start doing those things. Start doing little things to share the gospel if you want to make a difference. Too many people don't. Too many people don't. Too many people just want to seem righteous and uh, go with the flow because they're afraid of being called a bigot. And it's unfortunate. That's not the standard that God holds you to. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus's burden is light and his yoke is easy. And he's so much better to follow than the ever-changing standards of the world. Okay. We'll be back here on Wednesday. I will see you guys then.